I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Gary Bork onto the podcast. Gary has extensive transformation and program director experience in insurance organization and solution providers. He has designed, led, and delivered successful business and digital transformation programs across numerous organizations. He has an holistic approach to transformation change and applies a lot of common sense, pragmatism, and realism. His ability to join the dots, ask stupid questions, and challenge the status quo highlights his playmaker strategist role within the GC index. His mantra is simple, KISS, keep it simple, stupid. So with that in mind, let me introduce you to him now. Hi Gary, thanks for agreeing to, uh, to join us today. Um, as a 20 plus year uh, program and transformation veteran, apologies for that, um, your significant experience of delivering change across multiple sectors, operating both as an independent and an employed capacity. Um, and we've got to know each other, haven't we, over, over, over the last few months through the Transformation Leaders Hub and have a shared interest in the GC um, index, which I'm sure we'll cover off uh, a little bit later on in the, in the show. But uh, if we can start as we normally start on these, just to, by providing the listeners with a, a little bit of background on yourself, uh, your, your career to date, how you transitioned into the world of change and transformation, uh, so that we get the context of the, of the conversation ahead. Sure, well, hello, Tony, and uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, well, I've, as you've mentioned, I've been knocking around in the transformation and change space for you know, um, a, a good while now. Um, but I started, I actually started off as a, a student actuary um, working for a, a life insurance company. But I did sort of three and a half, four years as a student actuary, which was, which was great. I mean, it gave me a good grounding across, um, well, a lot of actuarial principles and insurance in general. Um, but I moved more towards kind of analysis and a bit of project management um, during my my time uh, my time there, and I ended up after a couple of moves working for a couple of software houses. I ended up working for CSC um, yeah. as a, a, an enterprise workflow and CRM uh, consultant, working on client sites, um, you know, helping them um, implement uh, workflow solutions. Um, and that was that was my first real exposure to um, looking at, I guess, looking holistically across an organisation and kind of sort of joining, you know, joining joining things up. Because yeah. uh, I guess with workflow, the clue's kind of in the name. It's the you know, the flow of work, you know, across an organisation. So you have to be very uh, aware of you know trigger points and say, how work moves through an organisation to you know the completion of whatever it is in question. Um, and I've kept that with me um, pretty much, well, yeah, throughout the, my, my subsequent career, um, which from that time, and this, this is now the late 90s, um, moved very much into project management and program management. Um, but it's always had a kind of central theme of change or transformation uh, involved in it. Um, and for the last, yes, I guess 20 years, I've worked mostly in the general insurance space with occasional forays into um, other sectors, so a bit of utilities, telecoms, yeah. retail banking. And so I've seen transformation and change initiatives from a number of different perspectives. And um, yeah, it's definitely agnostic of sector. Yeah, I was just going to say it, the, the, the beauty 
of of what we do is that it is completely sector agnostic. You know, uh, managing change and transformation is a skill in itself. Um, but um, and, and actually, the, a lot of people get the variation by moving sectors rather than just doing the same old, same old on uh, on different organisations within the same sector. So, have you found that as well? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's it, it gives you that different perspective, uh, and also it just kind of makes you realise, as you said, that it, it you know the, the same chestnuts arise regardless of whether you know it's insurance or, or banking or utilities or whatever. Um, yeah, the same same chestnuts, the same problems, same issues arise. Yeah. Uh, uh, many of them people related, um, which I'm sure we'll talk more about later. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it is. A discipline in itself which i think is often overlooked or you know just not not really appreciated um enough mm. but um yeah hopefully tides are changing um i remember we, we had a conversation i think last week on on one of the um, sessions in the transformation leaders Hub, and it, we, talk, we, we spoke very briefly about transformation and the fact that many different people have different interpretations of what the word transformation means how do you define transformation it's um, <laughs> not to try too hard to define it. I think it's probably the first thing. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of people, a lot of companies, get really hung up on trying to you know, really nail it to the wall, um, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter um, to, all, to all intents and purposes as long as you know, the, the organisation understands what it wants to try to achieve. Um, but in, in my in my mind, transformational change has a significant impact on business or operating models. And again, there's gray in there as well, because what's significant um, and uh, understanding of business models and operating models isn't maybe where it needs to be either. Um, but that, that's the definition that I use. So, so within the, the last 20 years or so that you've been operating in that change and transformation world, uh, which, which project or which role have you enjoyed the most? Um, the a lot of my a lot of my roles have been um, as interims uh, as an interim or uh, working as as an associate through kind of boutique consultancies. So a lot of the work is either at you know the, the upfront in the project or maybe at some point um, um, within the program or, or maybe even a, a you know, recovery of a program. Um, it's not often you get the opportunity to do something genuinely end to end. So was it the fact that it was the end-to-end -end bit or the fact that you were able to get involved up front? Um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued because personally, I know from, uh, and I've only really started to come to understand this a lot more in, 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 in recent years, but I enjoy the start-up of, of the programme and getting it mobilised, but then my interest wanes as, as, as you go through. Um, and I suppose it comes into a little bit of stuff that we talk about within GC Index. Um, I, I'm probably a, 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 a game changer strategist type of person rather than the implementer and polisher. Um, so so I'm, I'm, I'm always intrigued when people say they, they, they like that end-to-end -end element of, of programmes. Well, the, the, I think the end-to-end, because it was been fairly unusual, um, certainly the things that I've been involved in. And also it was relatively small scale. Uh, it wasn't like an international program. So it was um, an opportunity to um, really see things kind of close up and how the different 
components and functions actually interacted with each other and B, can have some influence over kind of how you know the whole thing actually worked. So um, that was that was interesting, say from from that perspective. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much now um, my interest and my focus is is more around say improving the understanding and awareness and that initial shaping and structuring and and mobilizing um, so that prior um, programs have a good chance of succeeding, whereas a lot of them just don't so it's really kind of like getting it set up pointing in the right direction and then maybe get some ongoing you know advisory or, or kind of you know executive direction that type of thing to make sure it stays on track okay so just touching on that then what you, you know mentioned about um the need for having certain things in place to make the program successful what are the absolute absolute elements that you need to have in place do you think to uh, for a successful program to uh, to progress it's um it's gonna sound it's gonna sound oversimplistic um but with many many of the things that i've seen and uh, i've heard of from um colleagues um it's the the, the basics just aren't done very well it's because uh, uh, innate lack of understanding about how to how to set something up um, so there's a half decent structure in place um, and having the clarity about what it is you're actually trying to do in the first place. Um, and if you haven't got those two, you know, you, you're onto a hiding to nothing really. Um, so yeah, very much so clarity of objective, understand kind of like, you know, the outcomes, the outcome that you want. What, what is it that you actually want to achieve? If you're embarking on this transformational journey, um, it means you moving from how you're what you're currently doing on how you're currently doing it to uh, an, an, a new state you, you want to do something else or do something in a different way so you need to understand from like what that is what the destination is that's not without not with um describing it in any detail but you need to understand you know the outcome your, your direction you need to have a clear direction and similarly you know you need to understand kind of like where you're starting from um, so which is your kind of current operating model um, and if you don't understand that then you know the the, the, the gap between the two that, that journey um, takes on a very sort of like different nature if you're starting from the wrong place yeah it's having that guiding light isn't it as you say that end point that end vision and a, a consensus of what that looks like so that you know that that guiding light can actually guide you towards it um because all too often um i know i've been in situations where um you, you know when you first go in one of the advantages going in as an independent is that you can ask all the numpty questions when you go in and one of the, one of the numpty questions is what we're doing here and it's it's always intriguing to see and hear the different variations of what people think we're, we're here to achieve and in the first stage of that is bringing everyone down to, as you say, having that clarity about what it is that we're trying to achieve. You've and what's the state of the possible? Yeah, yes, you've got to have that consensus. Otherwise, you know, people will be going off in different directions. You need that. I mean, it's a thing, you know, think of it in terms of a military operation. You know, you've, you must, you've got to be clear about you know, what you're actually trying to achieve. Otherwise, you know, you're just never going to achieve it. Mm. But I always find that you know some, someone's written that down maybe in a business case to get the program uh, approved and authorised and get them and get the money aligned to uh, aligned to the program. 
but that business case is then put to one side on a shelf and, and the little war stories happen and, and people's interpretations of what the vision is varies as, as you go along and, and there's that need isn't there to keep bringing back to re- reinforcing is this still the right place to go well yeah and I, I think even at that stage it's often often um, organizations are on you know, a, a, what I think is a, a road to failure even before things really get going um, part of part of the reason because that you know all the important influential uh, decisions uh, and you know the influences on people making decisions which obviously tends to be the you know the exec and the c-suite um, many of those people have come up through their particular functions so you know, finance the cfo the you know the it the cio uh, you know, etc so they all have their kind of like functional lenses through which they are looking at things um, and nobody nobody really has that horizontal kind of more holistic view about the impact on what's going to be quite quite structural major change um, across the organization so yeah say hitting that operating model and business model so uh, no nobody nobody intends or starts out to you know aim for failure i mean that's just nuts but people just don't recognize that maybe they don't have the that's not really experience but just don't have the right lens to look through to understand what the impact on the organization actually is to be able to then set up a program or establish a structural program in the right way so that it has a chance of succeeding and you know you mentioned the business case obviously that's one thing which does tend to um you know get done you know in relative isolation sometimes um yeah, often not with appropriate engagement and input from people who really should need to input to it. Uh, and then it sits on a shelf and it gets wheeled out every now and then. And, you know, you, you, it's looked at very kind of one-dimensionally, you know, uh, the, you know, the benefit number, you know, single benefit number, the single cost number. Um, it's, yeah, it's just used incorrectly. And that's part of the, maybe the kind of immaturity of the organisation when it comes to, genuinely transformational change about how to use some of these artifacts to the best effect. Yeah. And I think just going back to your point about, um, not necessarily my words, not yours, but the silo thinking or the the, the silos that naturally exist within organisations, the tendency then to have these unintended consequences. So someone's making absolutely the right, decision or that you know that that they're having a really good idea for what works in their little area of the business and try to make some change um but it's the knock-on effect down the line that that, that they just don't they don't consider because they haven't got that as you say that end-to-end view of 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 the business and and not looking at it from a helicopter position they're looking at it from their own silo absolutely and you can look yeah at your silo from a from a yeah that thirty thousand foot position, but you're still looking say through that lens, yeah. which uh, is it, fine in many cases, but um, it, you, you run the risk of, as you said, not understanding kind of the impact on a decision somewhere downstream um, without that say horizontal perspective, that horizontal lens, and that's why I think I mean one of the one of one of the seats I think is missing at the top table. And whether it needs to be a permanent seat or just at times of 
significant change is like uh, the chief transformation officer or chief change officer or you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but th th that would just give that perspective and just help people understand and look at things in a different way or at least appreciate that maybe it's not quite so clear-cut as you know presumed. I agree. On, on your LinkedIn profile, you, you state that your mantra is KISS, keep it simple, stupid. Um, so how do you go about helping organisations do this in, in big change initiatives? Well, I think, um, I mean, you've probably seen that a squillion times as well. Um, people do try to, they, they overcomplicate things too quickly. Um, yeah. And they, 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 there's a tendency to rapidly lose sight of the big picture which basically you know, is the objective and the outcome. So you've got, to, you've got to bear that in mind, at least in kind of like out the corner of your eye. You never lose sight of that. Um, and it's, it's, it's really a case of uh, almost not, not holding people back, but stopping people kind of rushing headlong into the, the detail and kind of like diving into the weeds, which you know, people have a tendency to do. Um, I think it's just part of you know, part of the human condition. You know, we like to we like to be in a, uh, a position of kind of comfort, yeah, you know, within our comfort zone. Really, uh, we like to be able to label things. We like to be able to pigeonhole things. And if we can't do that, yeah, it's it's not always that comfortable. So I think there's a tendency for people to do that, which manifests itself by you know, unnecessarily complicating things or um, yeah just not not keeping things as simple as possible i mean hell yeah things get you know complicated enough quite happily without you know trying to manufacture complexity or complications so just um yeah just keep things simple and if you do find yourself one of the things i find if you do find yourself kind of getting drawn into detail um ask yourself right you know, do i need to do i really need to care about this at this point Sure, the detail's important, the devil's always there, but you know, do I, at this point, really need to know, you know the nth degree? And the answer, sometimes it may be yes, but you know, often the answer is no. So you can at least check yourself and pull yourself back up. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I was just trying to remember which episode it was. It's been mentioned a couple of times, but there was one in particular went into quite a lot of detail. Uh, and, and it was where people start to get into the detail and start to get drawn into, as you say, that comfort zone. Um, the, uh, an idea um, that uh, the, the guy had used quite quite a lot was just to say, okay, just step back and can you describe that issue or that challenge or that opportunity on one sheet of A4? You know, yeah, we know it's complex, but just bring it up and try to develop out a picture or, or, or a set of words that keeps it really simple because then we can start to move forward. And uh, I think that's a really good idea for lots of people. Uh, absolutely. And you know, conveying complex and complicated ideas simply is, you know, is, is a, an art and a skill in itself. Uh, but it's hugely important. The message has got to be appropriate to the audience. So whatever the thing is, you need you know, at least two or three different ways to actually convey that from the simple, but simply enough that it conveys the gist uh, so that they can have a you know, meaningful conversation about it right down to you know just the, the, the intricate detail about, um, about, uh, about the topic. Whatever the information you're trying to convey needs to be meaningful. So if you can convey that 
so that they get the gist and can meaningfully engage. I mean, that's 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 a win all round. Absolutely. And, and in terms of your um, your experience, what is what has been the sort of two or three key themes that you found um, create challenges and in, in, in programs? So that, those those big issues that you've you've had to overcome. So, so uh, you know, for instance, I know I did a big piece of work with one of the national utilities a couple of years ago, and. Um, it was in, in in the biggest part of the business. Um, it was the biggest transformation. So as a whole organisation, what we were working on was the biggest transformation program within the organisation. But there were so many other things going on at the same time that were pulling people in different directions and sometimes in conflicting directions. It was it was really really difficult to make progress. Um, and we had to almost escalate that right up to the group chief exec to say, look, you need to now prioritise. What are your big, big rocks, really? That's what we call them. What are your big rocks that you go focus in on? And, and let's stop everything else. Um, and that was a that was a challenge to, 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 to get them to agree to because all of these other things were important and were, di- and were linked to specific KPIs within the organisation. But it was like, well, you're not going to get all of this done unless you get the big rocks done. Let's understand what the big lots are. Yeah, and and, and I mean, you, you touched on one of them there. Um, just that kind of that, that degree of realism, um, and you know, if it's if it's all very important, then fine, you need to commit to that in terms of resources and uh, in investments, sort of like you know, time, effort, cost. Um, but uh, other ones, um, uh, silos, obviously, a kind of huge issue. Um, just kind of organization, operational silos, um, operating discreetly within a program and also just the, the, the impact of the activity within a program on the business. Um, you've got to have that, you've got to break that siloed mentality, that siloed way of working and the siloed way of thinking. And that's, that can often be um, one of the main challenges. How um, do you manage to do that though, Gary? The... Um, the best, the best ways, I'm, I'm, I'd be able to identify them in the first place. Um, yeah, and yeah. as soon as they manifest themselves, um, just make it clear to the people involved. So it's raising edu- raising awareness and hopefully educating people so that they, so that they get it. And it, you know, it's quite satisfying when you, you do see little light bulb moments go on. Yeah. Um, and the, the, I mean, the other key thing is just around clarity. Um, there's, of, there's often so much, and I've seen this on so many things, um, just just a lack of clarity around, say, what, yeah, what it is we're doing and who's doing what. So you know, roles and responsibilities and just having that really clear understanding of what somebody's expected to do, you know, when, by. It's all very, very basic stuff, but it's all stuff which um, can have a it is. impact on things. But it is very basic stuff. Uh, but people try to complicate things, as we just spoke about earlier. Um, that sort of kiss principle is is absolutely relevant in most most of the activities that you go through is in, when you're driving change and transformation. Um, and um, it, 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 but it is so difficult at times because there's different agendas at play um, um, within large organisations, in particular. One of the one of the big things which seems to sort of like come up time and time again is you know, that of 
not just leadership, obviously that's one aspect, but also the reward culture of an organization. Um, organizations reward for specific things and people are going to chase those, you know, what's being targeted, um, which is often counter to what you know, the company actually needs to do to be able to achieve its other you know, strategic objectives. So you've got these competing objectives and yeah, it, it, it can get complicated and confused. Yeah, any company that wants to you know, be successful in its certainly ability to, to, to change needs to um, you know, be aware that those, issues, those types of issues exist and address them. Um, I mean, organizations and companies, this change coming at companies from all, so many, so many different um, angles these days, um, and you know, it's constant. So, you know, the barrage of change, and it is a barrage. Um, companies have got to get themselves in a position where they um, are, are just better at dealing with change yeah. um, so that they don't you know, react to change by spending first, you know, four weeks or three months or whatever going, Oh, what do we do about this? Whoa, and worrying about it. They, you know, the, 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 the whole organization needs to be, I know I'm going to say agile, but I mean agile in a, we can react confidently and sensibly to what needs to be done way yeah. rather than maybe some of the, some of the um, interesting, more interesting uses of agile where it's being kind of like hijacked by people who really don't know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> but companies need to get themselves so that they, they can react confidently and, and you know with assurance um, about you know, what they need to do to change. And part of that means the whole company has to be kind of you know there has to be a degree of coherence across the whole company, which goes back to those you know, reward mechanisms. Otherwise, you'll just have this perpetual situation where there's this you know, juxtaposition of of um, you know, in, intention. I think it'd be interesting uh, to see how, how companies adapt over the next few months and years, uh, because the, the, I think historically there's been a temptation to think, well, not, not temptation, people have been scared almost of change. Um, they've been, uh, they find it quite stressful. People don't necessarily like change. So you put it off or you think you can't do as much as you want to do in the timescales. But actually last year, we cut or, or this last 12 months with COVID, completely changed that if someone said back in january 2020 that within three months 80 percent of your workforce will probably be working from home or working remotely can you do can, can you actually survive i would think the vast majority of organizations would have probably said no um but the, you know the technology couldn't survive but we haven't got the infrastructure in place and actually when it happened people were able to make those changes didn't necessarily say find it comfortable but they did it and, and it'd be interesting just to see whether that belief that you can do significant change relatively quickly with the right mindset and where, where you, when you've got an absolute cliff edge whether that belief will carry on moving forward i hope it does and uh, i mean in terms of you know, the, the, that transition to remote working uh, that's great, and but yeah, that was a change. I mean, that wasn't it wasn't a transformation. I do hold yeah. my head in my hands sometimes when I sort of read about how marvelously companies have digitally transformed <laughs> with the whole COVID thing with, with remote working. So no, 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 no. It's 
you know, you've you've ramped up your rollout of of you know, using kind of video conferencing, which is great. I mean, absolutely admirable and really stepped up. But you know, if you you know don't don't um, you know, live with the illusion that that's somehow digital transformation, um, the mindset bit is really important in that, and I think that's the bit. Hopefully, that will stick and just start to show people or, or prove to people that. You know, it can people can work differently exploiting digital technology uh, and um, you know retain their productivity um, so that that mindset bit's important and if that stays then I think there is a you know a bit more of a chance of actually being able to you know, genuinely digitally transform I say it's that um, what, what's the phrase being being comfortable with the uncomfortable that's what we that that's the mindset that we all need to move into isn't it it's like it's not it's not going to be um steady a steady sea um anymore there's always going to be choppy waters so but let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable and we'll be in a much better place to uh, to 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 move things forward quickly and efficiently with, without getting too stressed by that amount of change that will happen yeah, change has always happened. Obviously, the degree of which is is you know, the onslaught of change is greater now, but change has always happened, and you know, strategic transformational change has happened too. Um, but ultimately, you know, companies have always had to adapt yeah. to uh, and react to changing market conditions, political, economical, etc., um, to be able to you know, survive and grow. It's just it's a bit more full on now. It's that so, speed of change, isn't it? I think that's that's obviously one of the factors which basically sort of like scares the living daylights out of a lot of um, um, execs because how, you know, how do you deal with it? And I think the um, you know one of the key thing is to stay calm, and carry on. Um, just don't allow allow yourself to be caught up in the you know in the in the, in the whirlwind. You know, it, there are there will be kind of clear objectives. That your organisation wants to achieve and needs to achieve, and there'll be you know, a multitude of ways to um, you know, facilitate that change. Um, just keep yeah, keep calm, be clear about what it is you want to do, and um, don't don't be tempted to jump onto bandwagons. Yes. Otherwise, you'll you know, it'll be months and millions of quid, and then you'll go, oh, why do we do that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we, we always finish this with uh, what's your one takeaway? What's the one thing that you need to have in place, in your opinion, for successful change and transformation? Um, I, I, I do love an analogy. So I'm going to resort to an analogy here. Um, yeah, building a house. Yeah, you, you wouldn't build a house without um, solid foundations. So you've got to have solid foundations for a transformation program where you're going to potentially change the structure, the way uh, your company operates and what it does, how it does. You've got to have those solid foundations. So at least get the basics right. So clarity of objective, understand what that means for you, understand where you are now, where you're starting from and uh, plan a Plan appropriately and use the use use the capabilities that's out there. Recognize maybe if you haven't got that yourself, yeah. Third part, there's an abundance of of, of talent out there that can um, give you the 
much needed perspective to make your change transformation journey a success. Absolutely. Well, a great way to finish. Thank you very much, Gary. Pleasure. Gary, that was great. Thank you once again. Gary is a member of the Transformation Leaders Hub, a community exclusively for those operating in project, program, change and transformation management. One of the core objectives of TLH is to help members to stand out from the crowd and position them in the best possible way. Over the next few episodes, we have other members sharing their experience, all of a great story to tell. These demonstrate one of the real benefits of TLH. It is a peer-to-peer network and you'll always have someone to turn to that has been in a similar situation to the one that you're facing yourself. There's always a friendly face to turn to. Equally, if you need support in delivering your change programs, TLH provides you with direct access to a large group of really experienced individuals. Irrespective of whether you need someone to join you permanently, on a contract, or provide some short-term consulting support, you will never have to pay any intermediate fees. A real game-changer, in my opinion. Find out more at www.thetransformationleadershub.com. With that in mind, I look forward to meeting up with you in a couple of weeks' time with the next edition of the Inside Track podcast. Bye for now.